funny because the last episode was 19 minutes and I'm going to shout out the person who was not happy with it. Sometimes these stories aren't very long and I think that's okay. Let me tell you about this me cute. I think I kind of like this me cute. I told you about uh, the duck. Well, here's the gavel. Hey there, I'm Lou, and you may know me as the host of your friendly neighborhood widow podcast. It is a podcast on which I tell you my story as a domestic violence surviving widow. And through storytelling, I take advantage to promote post-traumatic growth, post-traumatic life on your own terms, and normalizing survivor joy. This is the spinoff. I wrote a book which I released on February 10th, 2019, and it is called not a widow's handbook. The third chapter of that book on widowhood is called All of the Boys. In this chapter, I list off boys that represent the wildly odd romances that I would engage in as a young widow. Now, some of our friends will tell us, hang in there, you'll find someone. Pause. I think young widows probably need to find themselves before looking out for anything and anyone else. Let me tell you how it actually goes. Welcome to the stories of a freshly baked widow frolicking through dating red flags. Oh, wait a minute. You guys, that's my song. Turn it up. let the widow out so i'm working in this cute little cafe in this cute little town and um power goes out in half of the town our half has power how crazy is that so here come in the people who took their laptops and just decided to go work from a bar top across the way in come these two gentlemen one of them's kind of adorable in a sense of i love the sound of his voice and um, we chat. It's almost the end of my shift. And after every shift, I get to come around the bar and have a shift drink. My coworker and I are sitting there and being my normal, ridiculous self, of course. Great conversation. We chat. We make varied appropriate jokes. Not inappropriate in like a sexual way. Inappropriate in like, this is not politically correct way. But... We know that we don't mean it. I know that he doesn't mean it. It's not a racial thing either. I'm just not going to share the jokes, that's all. But then, you know, I'm a working bee. I got two jobs. I have to get back to my second job across the street. Um, and he says, where are you going? I got to go. Well, when, when will I see you? I said, whenever you go have dinner across the street since you had lunch here today. He said, okay, but tonight there's a contest at a bar down the street. And I think that's where we're going to end our night. And I said, I'll think about it. If you come to dinner at my other bar, maybe I will go to this thing with you today. How about that? I'm telling you that I didn't think he was going to show up. But sure enough, in the middle of me being in the weeds, like as industry people say, I see this guy at the bar and I'm like, oh, he came. This is okay, cool. Nice of him. He shows up. Um, I say hello to him. I think I recommend something to eat. And then I just kind of like keep doing my job. But he reminds me in my back and forth and our like 
moments of chatting that, hey, we're going to this bar later. And I said, sure, I'll go. But, you know, I'm not going to be drinking, right? Because I need to go pick up or drop off my sister's car. Um, and so we go to this bar and we have a good time. We chat, we laugh, a bunch of really cool dude. Get along really well. And it's time to go. I tell, I've been drinking Pepsi <laughs> with cherry with, with syrup all night. And um, it's time for me to go. He's a little drunk because he's been drinking. So, but it's time for me to go drop off my sister's car. And uh, he's like, well, I'll go with you. I'm like, you're not going on this 45-minute Uber ride adventure with me. Like, it makes no sense. And he said, I'll go. So we go to my sister's. We sneak inside. We drop off her car keys. And off we go, Ubering back to the town we came from. This is probably my best friend's favorite story. I think she had a lot of fun while I was uh, seeing this person. Because it was just like some of the most ridiculous interactions. But you got to live them. You just got to have experienced them and say, oh my God, how crazy and ridiculous was this? So then we get back to our town and we talk till dawn, but then I have to go. And um, he proposes for us to see each other again. I told you I'm a worker bee. At that time, I was a freshly baked widow. I needed to get myself situated financially. I wasn't very good at doing that because I spent a lot of time and a lot of money on distractions. And some of these distractions were going out dancing, lots of whiskey and smoke, Jameson, chill Jameson shots and Lagunitas IPAs and 930 Club and EDM concerts and um, just all of the things that kept me busy and kept me away from remembering what my reality was. And um, I remember saying that I couldn't hang out with him because I was going to work and I had things to do. And went and I said, and at the end of this two, these two weeks of hard work, I got to go to the beach with my friends. And the beach was three hours away. And he said, okay, just let me know when you're there. And I said, no problem. And so as soon as I arrived to the beach, I'm like, hey, per our last conversation, I'm at the beach. And he said, I'm on my way. So <laughs> sure enough, an hour later, he pulls up and he's on 14th Street in Ocean City. And I'm like, this is cool. Okay, I'm going to go on this joy ride with him because my phone's dying and we're just going to drive around the city so that we can charge my phone in his car. I remember he met up with me and my best friend in this bar and it was me, her, and this other girl at the bar. And he knows I love chill Jameson shots. So he bought chill Jameson shots for all four of us. And this random girl that we don't know at the bar who thought that was kind of cool. My best friend thought, mm, I like this guy. He's fun. He can match your energy. <laughs> God. Um, so that's kind of cool. We go on this day drinking fun adventure with my best friend who comes along at some point. Um, we go back to the condo where all my guy friends and all my girlfriends are there that are doing the vacation with me. And they're like, is that your dude? And I'm like, I don't even know. It's just, it's a really cute dude, really sweet dude. He just drove here to come hang out with me and you guys, obviously. Then he proposes for us to go jet skiing, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. We are way too many Jamesons in to go jet skiing. But sure enough, we go, and we're sitting there, and 
I'm looking at my best friend like, girl, I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, what are we doing? But we take this adventure a little further. We keep taking the story a little further. And so we get on these jet skis and we follow the instructor all the way to the little bay area where we go wild and he's having a good time. A moment that I remember very distinctly, I'm freaking out because, oh my goodness, I hate being on water. I love adventure, but somehow being on water is really the one thing that's like gets me all like, ah! And so we're on water and I'm holding on to him and we're three on the jet ski because I was fundamental about the fact that we're not going to get two jet skis. I am so weird about men spending money on me, let me tell you. So we get on this jet ski and we're the three of us and my best friend is laughing at me because she knows I'm so uncomfortable. And I'm holding, I'm holding on to this dude and he says at some point, oh, I don't think these jet skis go farther, faster than 35 miles an hour. And I go, how do you know? He goes, we're at 35 miles an hour. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think this is going to work out. You're, I'm, I'm a punk, but I know that this is what I need. I need someone to push me into the adventure. I will do it. And once I'm in it, I'm having a good time. I just need, I just need someone to really like help me through the decision making of going on a fun adventure. So this is a great time and he's got to go and he says he'll see me back in town and he leaves me behind to have the best time with my friends, which I do. And um, I get back in town and we see each other from time to time. We have some of those really fun, don't go to bed till five o'clock in the morning nights. And I remember that on our one of our first hangouts, we ended up in this really cute Times Square that has like a stage in the middle of it. And we're like laid on the floor on the stage of this little cute town square and having just like a really awesome, cool, deep conversation. But you know, you know, I'm a widow. And at some point, I got to let them know. You keep, these guys got to find that at some point, this is what my relationship status is. It comes up. And that is one of the scariest things to say to someone that you really can't wait to see when you walk away from them. So as we're like having this like cool little connecting moment and I'm like, hey, like, I don't think I've ever told you this, but maybe I should. <laughs> and just drop it like it's like a, hey, fun fact <laughs> kind of situation. And his answer was very interesting. I think it's probably one of the most uh, distinguished answers I've gotten from telling someone that I liked and I kind of really wanted to see for a while um, that I was widowed is, are you saying this because you're trying to sabotage this because we're having a good time? And I was like, hmm, and that's a read. That's a read, honey. Um, no. Yes. That was my response. I mean, yes and no. I just figured I'm having such a good time right now that if I don't let the, you know, if I don't drop this bomb now and wait till I'm really, really having a good time, it's not going to turn out well for me. So why not just drop it now? That was well received. We kind of just, I can't even remember how it went, but I knew we had a really good conversation, had a good time. I mean, cool. Like, we moved on from it. We, we went on with our lives, went on brunches, day drinking dates. And then it got a little different. It got a little, a little too close. Not for me. But for both of us, maybe. I remember this day where we made plans to go out. And we were going to go out to a club or something. And I remember I had this really awesome leather skirt. And I had never gotten the opportunity to wear it anywhere. Oh, my God. 
I don't even know why I was upset about it, but listen to the story. Um, and I put on this leather skirt and I'm so happy to finally put it on. I'm going out on a like club date and we first go to dinner before going out to the club and we go to this restaurant that I work at where all my friends are there, the same friends that he met when we were at the beach. All this time that I'm talking to you about, he's never hung out with my friends. He, we once like did like a lunch break with my sister, but never really have I mixed him with my friends. Um, and that's because for me, it's like, I'd rather really, 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 really know because deception is so hard until this day. And this is not just for this freshly baked widow. I think till this day, deception is really tough to live in public and it's nice to just live, live, live these little deceptions secretly in my little corner, <laughs> like a little turtle. And so we're sitting there and my friends are like, hello, hello. And they're saying his name. And they're like so happy to see him and they're working because at the time we we're restaurant servers, all of us are restaurant bartenders. And uh, then it's my friend's birthday little thing at another bar and me and him have planned to go out in the city to play and have fun. And my friend goes, you guys are coming out to this for my birthday thing, right? And he says, of course. And I'm thinking, who told you that you were allowed to come to my friend's things? But I don't say it out loud. And he looks at me and he says, we're going, right? You want to go to your friend's thing? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go with you yet. You know, I got I to gotta answer a thousand questions that I'm not extremely comfortable answering. And my friends do know how widowed I am. So they have their own perception of this that makes me extremely uncomfortable. But I don't say any of that. Instead, I order another drink because, oh my gosh, I do need to be like, I need some liquid courage to get through the night at this point. So then as the night goes on and I see him just kind of, like, acting like he's my friends with my friends. And I'm like, All right, but you and I don't even know if we're yet exclusive what's happening. A little note about that evening is that as life continued to happen to me, as past knowing him and having this story, past all of that, the very friend who asked him to come out and hang out with us for her birthday passed away two days before my birthday. And although that day, in that moment, I was annoyed and pouty and felt like no one asked me for my opinion and I didn't want him to do all of this somehow, somewhere. Today, I'm so thankful that he said, yes, let's go because it was the last time that I got to spend a birthday with my friend. And so I wanted to note that. Let's get back to the story. I'm not gonna blame the alcohol, but I do have to say that sober, I would have been way more afraid to ask this question, but I was annoyed when I got back to my place and he dropped me off after. We had a blast, but I couldn't even have really a blast all the way because I was like, I can't believe this guy is here are my friends. Like, what are they gonna think? Like. Whatever, what happens when he realizes that he doesn't want to be with this widowed girl and like all of these things happen and he just disappears and come like leaves my life and never comes back because I'm not good enough and all these other things and whatever. And I get to in front of my door and I will always remember um, a conversation about 
where I can bring it up and I'm like, I confused that you're like all around my friends right now, Mr. I don't want to be in a relationship. And he said to me, like, well, I don't, you know, like, I don't see myself as like a one woman guy. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But you're sitting around my friends making it look like you're my guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's it's a, one thing not to want to date just exclusively one person or like say that you're not going to go on a date with someone if you feel like going to go on a date with someone. But it's another thing to like be in my life around my friends that's like meaningful to me that means shit to me and that messes with my mind when you do that and I remember that being like a big deal in our friendship or relationship or situationship because it created this like emptiness and this like silence until one day I was coming out of work and I ran into him and he's like what are you doing I'm like I'm getting off of work and he said, have you had dinner? They're like, are you going to get dinner? And I said, I haven't gotten dinner yet. And he's like, I'm on my way to dinner. And he was just going to have burgers from like right downstairs of my old job. And we ended up just going to get food together somewhere. And um, I remember that was like a tough day for my self-esteem because we went out and we had a good time and we always talked really well and all this stuff. But then I get back to my place and, you know, we're clearly still attracted to one another. And um, there was a conversation of coming inside and I said something along the lines of there wasn't enough room for two. And I explained to him more details about my life, which was the fact that, you know, I didn't just lose my spouse, I lost my entire life, I lost everything. So this is my, you're meeting me at my rock bottom and here in rock bottom, I only have a twin bed. And I live in a small room that has no windows. You coming into my home right now, it's a level of intimacy that you need to understand is meaningful. And I remember his reaction was something along the lines of like, you don't have windows. And I received it as such a condescending message that I was just like, you know what? Never mind. Have a really good night. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I was trying to be vulnerable and you just became condescending right away. And I just want to go inside my home and like, not want to deal with you I didn't say that part I just said it's fine don't worry I'm gonna go now and I left and um never spoke to him again never reached out to him again neither did he reach back out to me and I'll always remember when I my life moved on and I moved out of the state I lived in and I remember putting on my snapchat story um, a picture of my moving day, moving into a completely new state, which wasn't very far, but I moved into another state and I took a picture of my new bedroom with this beautiful window with the light coming in. And it was such a milestone for me. And he reached out in big surprise. He didn't understand. He said, you moved. And that was his question. And it turned into this conversation where I guess he was baffled, confused. And until this day, I think it's all very interesting because I lived all this within my bubble of being in my, in the thick of my post-traumatic development, like my the beginning, the where things didn't always make sense. And more things make sense today. Very little things don't make sense, but I do still have things that don't make sense <laughs> today. But 
it was just very interesting a little while later to watch this story and look at it as like one of the most successful, honestly, at that time, it was one of the most successful relationships I've had with someone, even though I was still selling myself short because I gave myself, I allowed myself to be with someone who clearly did not want a forever with anybody, but I also never saw myself capable of anything more than just that, having someone to laugh with, get on jet skis with, just say no to going to Miami with for the weekend and then getting annoyed because he's on his Instagram hanging out with his ex and just that going off really well. Like, um, just, it was the one thing that I did where I was scared every day to do it, but I did it anyway. And it's pushed me to understand that like, you can do this, you can date, you can manage all of this. And then when I locked myself away and I went back into my little turtle shell and pushed and pushed and left, I did this with the idea that this person is unaffected. Not because they didn't care about me as a person, but because nobody wants this widowed girl in their life. So let me go focus on me and like what I needed to do for myself. Not even as a revenge. And it was like the weirdest thing to um, get to this place where we have a conversation about it, where they're even surprised that they weren't privy of the information and me being like, oh, what? I don't know if there is like a big remembrance, like if there's a big takeaway from here. For me, I think the story is always going to be meaningful for those two moments. The moments where I tell him, I'm widowed in the middle of like a really good day where he's like, are you saying that because you, you're you trying to like completely like sabotage a really good day? Like being called out and me having to have awareness of that and having to be honest with myself, whether I can't really like, I'm, a, I'm like kind of shy and embarrassed to respond to him directly, but having the awareness and knowing that you're doing this, you getting to this place where you're having a good time. And this was staple to that relationship where good things would happen. It's like, you go home and you borrow a sweater and then the next day you bring it back washed and I'm like, okay. <laughs> you could have waited a couple of days. I didn't need it right away kind of thing. And um, in that moment of like, did you say that? Because you're trying to self-sabotage. Okay. Um, and the other moment will always and always be, and I think if there's a reason why this person is going to continue to be one of the people that I'm like, thank you, thank you to, it's because that night, no matter how annoyed and scared I was of that situation of like, you just can't be around my friends, like you're my boyfriend when you have no plan ever of being my boyfriend, it's the fact that because he took a bold decision in spite of what I wanted and needed, I get to say that I got to spend that birthday with my friend before she passed away because I think that I would have just showed up late and drunk and not really have gotten a chance to enjoy the whole day with her. Sometimes you think that you have all of this time to enjoy these days, whether it's time with him or time with my friend. And if there's something that loss will teach you, it really is that you could have all the time in the world, but you could only have this moment. And if it means you got to be vulnerable and do things that scare you and you're going to get rejected and it's going to hurt, then you do it. You do it because you don't want to regret it. And you can hear in my voice that I'm getting emotional. 
it's because there's nothing more important to me than the present moment. And every present moment, truly, that is so beautiful and amazing and gold, I cherish. Because if there's something that loss has taught me, is that these are the moments that keep you going. If to answer the question, how do you get how do you get over something like that, like losing someone you love deeply? It's those moments. The tears you're hearing are are geared towards my father. Every day I tell stories of how he was pouty and how I challenged him and how we laughed and how we drank Merlot. And it's these moments. And if there's something I want to tell the gavel (laughs) is thank you that in all of that, you gave me that moment with my dearest friend, Mai. God, may she rest in peace. We will talk later, okay?